What's up, friends? Welcome to the show. So pumped to roll with you guys today. But before we jump into the show, got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. You guys know Strava is a rich, delicious CBD-infused coffee. And if you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off the delicious product. Of course, Strava is delicious coffee, but it also has that CBD infusement, which helps with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, really anything going on with with your body, the CBD helps take the edge off and including the coffee jitters. So it's a perfect two-in-one punch. If you want to relieve those coffee jitters while drinking coffee, well, Strava is your answer. So check them out. And if you've already used that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off, make sure to subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, where you'll get 20% off every single time you order through their website. And you can have your coffee delivered to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at 20% off. You don't have to worry about typing in your credit card info or forgetting to sign up because you will have already subscribed. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. If you haven't checked them out yet, use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your first order. And if you have, make sure to subscribe. All right, fellas, let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the curds from my high. Best part of the weekend Hugging a perfect stranger they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down D-N-V-R Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my guys, Andrew Mason and Hank Henry, the legend Chisholm. Thanks, guys, for joining us today on this Thursday podcast. We're going to get a live update of what's going on in Denver Broncos training camp from Andrew Mason. But before we do, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. And we have a couple people here at DNVR who are taking classes at MSU Denver, and that's what they harp on is that they build the schedule around your life and they give you the tools that you need to go out into the workforce and use them right after. They're not just teaching you for, for, from a notebook. They're teaching you what you need to know once you're out of school. So make sure to check out all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. Check them out at msudenver.edu slash online. My boys, what is going on? How are you doing today? We are 11 days away from Broncos opening day. 11 days away. And uh, as you can see in the headline for this podcast, a very good sign for in 11 days, having Todd Davis out there because uh, he was taking individual reps out there, watched him going through the drills, looked smooth, looked, looked quick in his back pedal, no issues there. So, you start, you're starting to get the pieces uh, back in place now. Still some guys out, still without Graham Glasgow, still without Bradley Chubb, but uh, and without Andrew Beck as well. But Glasgow looks like he's going to be on track to be there in week one once he gets going. So some positive indicators for the Broncos as they're getting ready for the Tennessee Titans. 
Yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right. And since we're talking injuries, Mace Albert O wasn't mm. out there uh, dealing with a hip injury. Vic Fangio seemed kind of vague about it. We didn't really think he was going to be a major part of the Week One game plan. But I was hopeful that maybe there were a few plays in there for him. We don't know if this is something that's going to affect his week one status or not. Man, he's someone that I really don't want to see a setback right now just because of even if it's five plays a game, you have him, Philip Lindsay, maybe even Melvin Gordon, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. I mean, how do you defend that? How worried are we, Mace? Uh, you're a little worried as long as you just – as you're worried if you're not judicious. And that, I think with Alberto, maybe the approach here needs to be similar to the approach with KJ Hamler. And that is extreme caution because KJ Hamler, you want that speed, but you also want to make sure he's able to help you in the long term. You don't want to do anything to that causes a relapse of that hamstring injury. Now, that being said, watching KJ Hamler today off to the side with steam strength, steam the team strength and conditioning staff. One thing that I was impressed with was the speed at which he was working and he looked, he was running full speed at times. So he's coming along, but you can afford to be cautious with Hamler. You can afford to be cautious with Albert O because of the depth that you have there. It's nice to have Albert O for week one, but Nick with Nick Vanette, Noah Fant and Jake, Butt looks continuing to have a good camp to this point. You're pretty well covered there. You can live without Alberto. I've been pretty bought into the hype for most of the guys on this team. The one guy who I've been trying to like temper my expectations for has been Alberto, just because there are so many tight ends, because he is a rookie, and it's just going to take some time. And so that's why the setback to me, I, I agree with you, Mace. Let him take his time. Hopefully, he can be a factor late in the season. Hopefully he can be the factor in the playoffs if they get there, because that's when you really need these guys, these young guys to be ready to step up. Uh, I, I think that taking it slowly with him, just like KJ Hamler has to be the right move here. Now, oh gosh. I, I, oh. It, it is all about taking your time with it. When you think of guys like individually, but man, I feel like we're saying this about so many guys right now. It, yeah. it, it, it worries me now. Obviously I don't think you were ever counting on, really most of these guys except for Bradley Chubb that that we're talking about taking it slowly to be a huge factor early in the season but I don't like how many guys that we're stacking up saying ah just take their time with them yeah but aren't you glad that we're saying this about KJ Hamler and Albert O guys who aren't in the starting lineup rather than say Cortland Sutton Noah Fant that is what I would worry about if you had those guys. Uh, no offense to KJ Hamler and Albert O, but they're rookies. You're playing the long game with them, so you can afford to, to, to let them ease their way back. Now, a good sign for Al Albert O, even though he was not working with the team strength and conditioning coaches, was that he was out there taking mental reps. So was um, Troy Fumagalli, who had uh, had the abdominal issue earlier this week. But, uh, you know, Albert O is definitely on the 53-man roster. Troy Fumagalli is decidedly on the bubble at best. So uh, so you're a little more concerned about Albert O, but I'm, I'm taking it easy with him. And, 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 and playing the long game. It's okay to do that. And again, and unlike inside linebacker where you had to go sign Mark Barron because Justin Stranod went down and Todd Davis missed some time with a calf injury. 
you're not having to go out and get reinforcements at tight end or wide receiver, at least for the 53-man roster, because what you've got on on the squad is so robust. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, And speaking of Todd Davis, that is good news on the injury front, because we knew, we thought he was going to be back maybe sometime next week, but until you really see him take the steps, you're always worried about his availability week one. Now, my, my concerns are eased for him being there week one, Mace. Now that he's taking the steps that you saw today in practice, mm-hmm. I am no longer concerned if Todd Davis is going to be available. And that's big because this is a guy that not only is a very solid player, probably one of the more underrated players on defense, but he's he's the guy that's calling the plays on the field. And just a couple days ago, Vic Fangio has asked about if he's comfortable with Alexander Johnson doing that. And he said no. So, so this is Vic's mind on the field so that it's huge to get him back. And the best part about Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson together is they're like two jigsaw puzzle pieces and one complements the other fits with the other. So well, their skill sets are ideal compliments. What Todd Davis lacks Alexander Johnson possesses uh, to the hilt in terms of, uh, the hair on fire mentality uh, going sideline to sideline, going all over the place. And what Alexander Johnson is still learning and developing as far as the cerebral side and having the full command of everything schematically on the defense. Well, Todd Davis is one of the best in the league at being able to, to absorb a scheme and then get all the calls out pre-snap and identify things uh, pre-snap as, as they're, as they're getting ready to go. So yeah, the defense is, far better when the two of them are out there. You remove either of them from the equation. You lose a lot. Yeah. I'm really excited to see this linebacking group. And that's not something I really thought that I would be saying, but the fact that you have Alexander Johnson coming back after his breakout last year, I think Todd Davis really does get a bad rap because he isn't, you know, the hot ticket type of, linebacker right now he is more of a thumper than a cover guy but you need those because every defensive coordinator is going to tell you the first step to winning a football game on the defensive side of the ball is stopping the run the broncos can do that and now they bring in mark Barron, and so you can just rotate these pieces together maybe line up mark Barron in the slot from time to time even against some heavier personnel just because he can he can do one more thing that those two can't do which is cover running backs and tight ends i think that even if these aren't three elite Pro Bowl-type linebackers, like Mace was saying, Todd Davis, Alexander, Johnson fit together very well. Mark Barron kind of completes the puzzle in my mind. I'm glad you mentioned Barron because there's some interesting things with Barron in roster construction. And, of course, we're bearing down on the 53-man <laughs> roster deadline coming up on Saturday. Barron Barron- down. Yeah, bearing down. Yeah, <laughs> I fit in here. <laughs> that wasn't intentional, like the arcade. That's an unintentional pun. It just, it just slipped out there. But he has been a safety. Now he's not somebody speed wise that you want as a safety today. But in terms of using somebody in short area coverage, we saw that with Will Parks late last year. Mark Barron can help you there. And when you're trying to figure out the depth chart and saying, okay, maybe we have to go one short at safety if we're going to have extra cornerbacks because it's possible the Broncos could carry six corners, including Ojemudia, who's another one who has that sort of kind of Will Parks versatility to do some stuff in some safety looks. 
you could be looking at a scenario, guys, where there are only three pure safeties on the 53-man roster as of Saturday night, but you also have Mark Barron and Michael Ojemudia in the mix as well who can be safeties in a pinch but also handle some of that hybrid sub-package work like we saw from Will Parks last year. Well, and that makes sense to do that. If if your strength isn't with your fourth safety, then don't cut a strength that is an extra linebacker, that is an extra cornerback. And that's that's the great thing, having Vic Fangio as a head coach, is you should be able to be able to work around that. So I think you're absolutely right, guys. Mace, what else did we learn from uh, practice today? Of course, that you can tell us. Well, I mean, we, we're talking generalities. A nice day for Cortland Sutton. Uh, some nice catches, uh, you know, can't obviously get into too much detail, but it's well, that's good well, to hear. It hey, is. It's really good to hear. But you know what? Let's let me just say this. It's the type of thing you expect from Cortland Sutton in terms of being able to go up and get passes in traffic. That's OK. It's it's everything that uh, everything that you expect. So the, the timing between Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton continues to be on point. Very, very nice to see that Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, both doing a very good job uh, being decisive. I like, I like the way they make that one cut and they take off and Melvin Gordon. I've seen this going back to Wisconsin, but he is so good at quickly bursting through a hole when it flashes open, understanding that that hole isn't going to be there for more than a split second at times. And he, he does a great job hitting it. So whether it's Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon in the backfield, very confident that you're going to be able to do a lot of positive things running the ball. And I think especially early in the season and Phil alluded to this yesterday when he met with the media on zoom, the best plan of attack guys, it ain't, it ain't going to be sexy and it may not be what Broncos fans are hoping for long-term, but the best plan of attack is going to be to lean on the ground game. It's going to be a little bit of an old school game plan in order for the Broncos to be on track to get where they want to go long-term. Yeah. And and that's definitely how they're going to have to start. But what, what I'll say to those people that may not think it's sexy Well, Pat Shermer had Saquon Barkley last year, and Daniel Jones still was slinging the football around. Uh, Give me Drew Locke over uh, Daniel Jones, and then I'm doing that even more while still, especially at the beginning of the season, relying on that running game. And you have two Pro Bowl running backs. You didn't go out and pay Melvin Gordon $8 million to not use him on the ground. So I think it's what they're going to do. And you're paying them about... $9 $9 million total, those two running backs, so that it can be sexy on the ground. Now, don't forget, though, Daniel Jones slung it around, but he was also playing from behind a lot as well. So if he, if Drew Locke is throwing the ball all, as often as Daniel Jones was, especially early, I'm going to have quite a few concerns because I think uh, I don't want Drew Locke sitting there with 40 to 45 attempts early on in the season. If that's the case, that means the Broncos dug themselves some holes against Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, and the Jets. The last thing you want is to put Drew Locke in a bad situation. And I think that that has been so clear, so clearly the plan for the Broncos now, this entire offseason, ever since we've been able to see Drew Locke on the field, you know, bringing in all the pieces they brought in. Now it's time to actually put him in good situations on the field, not just in terms of a list of players on the depth chart, any of that kind of stuff. It's all about what happens in the football game. And what you really need to do is rely on Noah Fant and Nick Finette and early on, maybe even some Jake Butt 
to power this running game, to get that going, to make sure you are building that chemistry up front. And if there are any problems with that offensive line, you don't get that offensive line going, then you need to make a move to make sure you have a running game for Drew Locke to rely on throughout the season. That needs to be the goal through the first two, three weeks, I really think. And then you start getting into the pretty stuff, into the into the passing game, all of like the play action stuff off of that running game. Uh, I, I really do think that Melvin Gordon is brought in specifically to put Drew Locke in a good situation early on this season. Every young quarterback's best friend is a running game that is effective enough to force the defense to take it seriously, to get those safeties up and create some one-on-one opportunities downfield. Matt Ryan may be the new name in the uh, DMVR Broncos podcast drinking game because of how often I mention him as being a guy who represents Drew Locke's ceiling. Oh, but, but, so gross. Yeah, but <laughs> let's let's rewind the clock back to 2008 when Matty Ice was a rookie and the Falcons go from 4-12 and to 11-5 and and return to the playoffs and come within one game of winning the NFC South. Well, the Falcons that year got a huge season from an ex-Charger running back named Michael Turner, who just went off that year, played at, an, at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro type of level. Not saying that it's going that you're going to get All-Pro performance from Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, but what I am saying is that you can really uh, get that young quarterback a, a, a nice leg up if the opponents are having to account for that running game first and then giving Drew Locke an opportunity to do some stuff in the play action, take advantage of some one-on-ones. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just hit me that comparison uh, as far as going back to exactly what the Falcons were in 08, but it worked for them. It can work for the Broncos too. Now, can we, <laughs> hey, can we call uh, Matt or Drew Locke ceiling actually Matt Ryan, but a little bit more mobile. Can we at least just like include that part of his game? Maybe a little bit better outside the pocket. So uh, Matt, little, Matt yeah, Ryan, but better. better. <laughs> yeah, Matt Ryan, but better. I'll take Matt Ryan, but better as this better, better wheels. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and what what I think is also uh, needs to be said is it a running a good running game isn't just a young quarterback's best friend. It's any quarterback's best friend. Look at John Elway. John Elway could do a lot on his own, but then he got Terrell Davis and won two Super Bowls. And that was, you know, the the end of John Elway's career. Look at Tom Brady. They're giving him pretty much every running back that was a free agent this year with (laughs) LaShawn McCoy, just signed Leonard Fournette. Uh, And and so that's, that's where it starts. Now, what you want to see, though, is that there's a balance in terms of when they let Drew throw the ball making sure that it's not the Rich Scangarello letting Drew throw the ball in terms of just short stuff and, and being afraid to use him. When they use Drew, they've got to use him and, and be willing to go 50 yards downfield because we don't want the same conversation of, uh, well, Pat Shermer just not letting Drew be Drew. But you also don't want Drew to be Drew having him drop back 50, 60 times like you guys are saying. You, you want it to be the run, but then let Drew be Drew as well. And from everything I've seen, I'm confident that – that they're not going to baby Drew like we saw a little bit last year. I I agree. And I think uh, the passing game, if you're talking about some core competencies that we're going to see early, one of them is going to be going deep and over the top to Cortland Sutton. And and then that's going to be a way that you push it. 
And then the screen game involving Gordon and Lindsey, but also Noah Fant getting into the flat. I think that's something uh, that's going to give the Broncos some explosive capability, especially with Noah with Noah Fant. If you, I think you want to set Fant up to have some explosive plays outside the numbers when he can turn up field, do what he does best. So I do think it's going to be possible to get for the Broncos to push it downfield and get some explosive plays out of the passing game, even though. The run-to-pass ratio may be one-to-one early on in the season. If that, if that's the case, guys, that means the Broncos aren't falling behind. They're in games, and they should be in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah, mo- most definitely. Uh, so with cut day coming 48 hours from now, the Broncos have one more practice of training camp. It's going to be Friday night at the stadium. Let's talk about cuts. And Jody Moncrief asking a juicy one. Mm-hmm. What will, will will Jake Butt make the final 53-man roster? What do you guys oh, think? Okay, well, I'll have my 53-man projection tomorrow. But I'll give you a preview. <laughs> Jake Butt's on it. Oh. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. <laughs> no, I agree. I, th- I think that that makes sense. I think especially if Albert O is going to have a slower start to the season, then you can justify it. You can justify keeping... Five tight ends, as crazy as that sounds, with Beck and Fant and Vanette and Okoebunam and now with Jake Butt. And here's what I think the best case scenario is. You start working Albert Owen in the second half of the season, maybe just after that trade deadline. Maybe just after you're able to prove that Jake Butt, Nick Vanette, has some value to a team that maybe lost a tight end at some point during the season and is going on a run for the playoffs. I think that that should be the goal here is getting those two guys worked in and maybe you move on from one of them when it's time to bring Albert O into the equation in a more meaningful way. Yeah. And, and, and I want to disagree with you guys because it's crazy to keep t- five tight ends, but I just can't because what I come back to is just this wall that I can't cross. And that is why would you keep Jake, Butt for three years to, to rehab him every single time and keep, him coming back to when he's finally healthy, you just say, all right, see you, bud. We don't need you. That doesn't make sense. And I think if he sl- if you cut him, he's not going to slip through to your practice squad. There's a chance of that, but I wouldn't want to gamble with that um, because I think a team may say, wait, wait, wait. This guy that was like a top 50 player a couple of years ago is now finally healthy. Yeah, we'll bring him in as the 53rd player on our roster. So I don't think he would pass through waivers. So I'm bringing him back because or what else were these last couple of years for with Jake Butt? So I think the Broncos really like him in order to keep him around. And why would you cut someone when he's, you know, the best that he, he's been in his career? Yeah, it sort of reminds me of Nate Jackson back in the mid-2000s with Mike Shanahan, and uh, the hopes were always high for Nate Jackson, and unfortunately, he kept having injuries, and they did a position shift on him, but uh, when a team believes in you, whether and whether you're talking about the GM, the coaching staff, or both, they'll find a way uh, to make sure that player is a part of it, and so, yeah, I it's, it's trending very positively, positively for Jake Butt. And frankly, if the Broncos let him go, if you're Bill Belichick, 
Don't you don't you claim Jake Butt? I mean, they are in desperate need of tight ends right now in New England. <laughs> Absolutely. You do that a hundred percent. So I want to get your guys' bold cut that the Broncos make. But before that, Nathan Worley wants to know will Brett Rippin make it on this squad as a third quarterback? You know, if this were a normal year, I'd say probably not. They'd try to slip him through. But with COVID, this isn't a normal year. So I'm leaning toward having him on the 53 at this point. Okay. Even though Vic said you don't need that quarantine quarterback. I know Brett was the third quarterback and the quarantine is kind of the fourth quarterback. Right. What he's saying is you don't need that quarterback that you are sequestering from the rest of the roster. But right. he, didn't, he didn't say that you didn't need a third quarterback. Well, I'm going to go with No. He doesn't make it because the Broncos are very confident. He does slip through waivers, and they definitely want him on the team. They want him a part of this organization with Drew. But they, you know, we're saying that they're they they're going to have you know a lot of cornerbacks. They're going to mm -hmm. have a lot of tight ends. There's got to be a cut somewhere, and I think it comes with Brett. Yeah, I'm going to go with Zach on this one. Even though I will say I'm leaning that way. I'm not like confident that that's the way it's going to go, but as I see it now, I think it just makes more sense to try to slip him onto the practice squad. And if it doesn't work, then you're going to have to figure something out because you do need to have access to a third quarterback this season. Right. I just right. don't you, think you that do. you could justify keeping him when we're talking about keeping five tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm at. All right, guys. Mace, this is the last spoiler for your 53-man prediction. <laughs> Give me... Uh, uh, a surprise cut or a big name that will be cut. I'm not sure it's a surprise, but a name that's familiar is Duke Dawson. Okay. And you just, even with trading Isaac Yadam. Yeah. I, I just looking at how they were using the cornerbacks in practice over the course of the first couple of weeks of training camp and then seeing Isang Bassey get, sub package reps this week on the first team as Vic Fangio alluded to yesterday. I just don't see room for, for Duke Dawson. And that this is somebody that remember the Broncos had really high hopes for bringing him in uh, via trade from the Patriots last year, former second round pick. But when I watch him out there, it just doesn't look to me like he's playing with the same confidence and verve that you're seeing from Devontae Bosby. Devontae Harris, and even a Sang Bassi. Yeah, that, that's very fair. Hank, who's your pick? Uh, I think I got to go Duke Dawson, too, as a lame as that Ooh. is in terms of like producing content. Um, but I will say I gave a lot of thought to DeMar Dotson. I gave a lot of thought to DeMar Dotson. The thing is, I haven't seen him at practice like you guys have, and you guys can't tell me anymore what you're seeing, and so I just can't quite commit to him being a cut. Um but the reports before made it kind of sound like maybe he wasn't going to necessarily be seeing the field anyway. And so why not keep one of the younger guys instead? Still, though, got to go Duke Dawson because of the numbers game that Mace laid out. Yeah, well, what, what, I, what I can say, Hank, is I think it's smart that you backed away from saying DeMar Dotson. If, you, mm. if you're picking up what okay. I'm saying there. And guys, okay. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Isaac Yadam as being a oh, surprise. I, I thought the, the way this was going, he was playing third cornerback reps just a week ago and really seemed like he was uh, in the back end of that competition. It seemed like Bosby and Harris were ahead of him, but it's not like they completely abandoned him. 
Um, a little surprised that he wasn't going to make the roster. So I think now once they decided he wasn't going to make the roster, very good to make the trade, get something for it. You move on from, from a failed draft pick. It's a bummer that you had to move on from a third round pick, but get something back for him right now because I thought he was going to be in that cornerback mix. Uh, but clearly yesterday, Sang Bassi proved that the Broncos don't need him. So a name that I'll throw out there to keep an eye on, and we have Mile High Beauty 303 mm-hmm. saying it, is yep. Demarcus Walker. And that would probably be the biggest name out there that, that the Broncos could move on from. He's got enough work where I'm not confident it's going to happen, but that is not one that would surprise me one bit. It wouldn't surprise me either. I think uh, also if you're looking for spots where you may see the Broncos try to go short if they go heavy at tight end, you may look at defensive line because effectively your base defense, the one you're going to see most often in the NFL today, that's your nickel sub package. So you need more depth, more guys in the secondary than you do on a defensive line, especially when you go that sub package, it's two defensive linemen. So you'd say probably a good 60, 65% of plays in most games, you're going to see two D linemen. That's, that's a spot where you may be looking to create a space there. And that might not bode well for DeMarcus Walker. You figure Jarrell Casey, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, McTelvin, Ajim, and also, and of, and of course, Draymond Jones. I think the, the question is uh, DeMarcus Walker or Christian Covington or neither. Right. And yep. it, what, what I hear when you list those names is a whole bunch of guys who are kind of pass rushing specialists. Like that's why you have them is because they can get to the quarterback and DeMarcus Walker, of course, having moved from outside linebacker inside, he's one of those guys too. And I just don't think that when you say he's somebody who you want because of his ability to rush the passer, when's he going to see the field? Mike Purcell is going to be in front of him. Shelby Harris is definitely in front of him. Darrell Casey's in front of him. Draymond Jones, of course, is in front of him. And I just don't know what situation the Broncos would find themselves in two months from now where they're saying, hmm, I really wish we could have Demarcus Walker on the field right now. He's in the the last year of his contract. And the other thing to consider, guys, is this. You only have five defensive linemen active most games. Mm -hmm. So if you keep a sixth on the 53, you're talking about somebody who's not getting a jersey. Well, with the changed practice squad rules for this year, can you slip a Christian Covington or Demarcus Walker, Deshaun Williams, uh, one of those, can you slip one of those guys to the practice squad? And then if you need to call somebody up, you can, maybe you make that guy, one of the four players that you're protecting every, every week. So that too may, may factor into this, this decision here coming up saying, yeah, you know what? It's not like we're ever going to have six defensive linemen active on game day. It's always going to be five. Yeah. And yeah, I I totally agree with you guys. Um, And before we get out of here, I just thought Vic Fangio had an awesome, awesome comment on Isaac Yadam talking about the trade. Sometimes coaches don't want to talk about a player that they traded. Sometimes they say it just didn't work out here. Uh, But Vic Fangio said, I hope he makes us look bad. I'm cheering for him out there in New York. I just thought that was so, so 
cool. That might have been Vic Fangio's best moment as a head coach, and that's saying a lot. Right. But the the being public and talking about how he's rooting for him, I think part of that is just the maturity that Vic Fangio has from all his decades in the game. And he has seen so many players that have come under his watch that did need that change of scenery. Shoot, you look at the secondary right now, gentlemen, and you see Devontae Harris and Devontae Bosby, and they're both doing well. These are guys that with Harris, the Bengals cut him. He was kind of in a funk there. The change of scenery has really helped him as a prospect. Devontae Bosby, it took a lot of bouncing around for him to find the kind of scenario that works for him. And even A.J. Boye, even though he was the number one corner in Jacksonville last year after they traded Jalen Ramsey, he looks like he's benefited from a change of scenery. So it's a it's a very mature thing to say that about a player that you're trading, but it's also very true that sometimes they just need to kind of have that the thing shaken up, get into a new scheme, new surroundings, et cetera. And it's nothing, it's it's not bad that it didn't work out here. And on a human level, hey, he liked Isaac Yadam. We all liked Isaac Yadam. Good dude. Enjoyed covering him the last couple of years. I'm I'm right there with Vic and hoping that he goes to the Giants and tears it up. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So for the Broncos to be able to get something back for him because they were going to cut him uh, is a good move. Uh, guys, you got any last comments before we jump into this, the, the comments? Well, stadium practice tomorrow night under the lights, and uh, we're not going to see Bradley Chubb. We're not going to see Graham Glasgow. We're not going to see Albert O. We're not going to see Andrew Beck. But I am cu- I am curious to see how Drew Locke and the first team offense look after what you saw last Friday or last Saturday. Pardon me, Zach. A very clunky, inconsistent, mistake riddled poor timing afflicted practice for the offense. Do they look better coming out tomorrow night? Do they put that behind them? If they do, I think that'll assuage some of the fears in Broncos country right now about the state of the O. Yeah, without without a doubt, that's going to be big, especially then. You're only 10 days away from the opening <laughs> exactly. game there at, at Mile High. How about you, yeah. Hank? Uh, I kind of want to build off of what you said and just say that Drew Locke that offense, they need it. I think that'd be so huge for them just as a confidence boost to, to see themselves go up against a good defense after the struggles they've gone through and say, you know what, we can do this against a defense that knows what we're throwing at them, a defense that sees us every day and just in general knows what to expect. If we can go out there and beat this top five defense in the NFL, why can't we go out there and put up 30 on the Titans? <laughs> yep, I like, yep. I like uh, the optimism. That's a good place to. That's a good place to end this segment with. I, I, I like the positive vibes. It's positive vibe th- vibes Thursday, right? Exactly. It, <laughs> it certainly is. And man, big forty-eight hours coming up for the Broncos. Not only the second stadium practice, but of course you have the cuts coming in. Broncos need to make twenty-seven cuts and then flip around and build a 16-man practice squad. So make sure to stay tuned with everything going on at thednvr.com. Of course, we're going to be rolling with you on the podcast as well. Mace, thanks for checking in with us from Dove Valley. Hank, Henry, whatever your name is, let's hop to the comments. (laughs)
And just like that, the magic of podcasts, we are into the comments section. But before we get to your questions, got to tell you guys about WGT Golf. Guys, this has been my favorite game for pretty much a decade now. And I want you to play with us. I want you to play with the 20 million people that are already playing WGT. And more importantly, I want you to play with the nearly 1,000 people that are playing WGT Golf from this awesome community. So how do you do that? Go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. It's free to download, but we ask that you go to dnvrgolf.com because it lets WGT know that you want to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT. Then once you're in the app, go to the clubhouse section and search for DNVR3. That's DNVR and the number three next to it to join our third clubhouse because the first two were so popular. We ran out of space, so we opened a third one, but don't worry you get all the same benefits and advantages of being in that third one that you do for the other two. So join that clubhouse and it gets you access to all of the weekly tournaments we have. We got one coming up this weekend. So jump in right now to WGT to make sure you get in on that. I love the game because it's so realistic, so much fun. And now I love it even more because you can get to play with the awesome DNVR community. I love it because you get to play Pebble Beach, St. Andrews. So make sure to check them out. WGT Golf. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download it. And I want to give a quick shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us during this crazy time. So head down to the farmhouse in Littleton and get yourself a nice meal from the uh, Breckenridge Brewery farmhouse. So much good food, uh, all the beers on tap. And uh, if you can't make it down there, you can also order delicious food and booze from the farmhouse. Uh, if you call 303-803-1380 and between noon and 8 p.m., you can pick it up. Uh, you can use the code DMVR as well to save $5. The Avalanche are on an incredible run right now, coming back from down 3-1 to force a Game 7. And there's only one beer you should be drinking during this Game 7 that's coming up tomorrow night. And, of course, that is the Avalanche Amber Ale, one of my favorite beers because – it is just so refreshing and so drinkable. It's a pretty standard beer. It's not one of the more flashy beers that they make, but uh, it's a good one. So check that out. And you can do that by going to the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. Uh, it'll tell you where you can buy where, whatever your favorite Breckenridge beer is, or uh, you can find one that you want to try. So check out Breckenridge Brewery. Go to their website. Order some food. Uh, go down to the farmhouse. Check out the beer locator. Uh, great partner of ours. And remember that supporting our partners is supporting us. Right on. Love Breckenridge Brewery. And like you said, Henry, Friday night, you got to be drinking the Avalanche Ale to support to. the Avs. Man, what an incredible time in Colorado sports. And let's talk to the people, Henry. TK Freeze chiming in says, my boys, last season, Pat Shermer's offense put up 21.3 points with a rookie quarterback in Daniel Jones constantly fumbling the ball, an injured uh, Saquon Barkley, and Benny Fowler plus Cody Latimer getting starts at wide receiver. We know how amazing those receivers are. And they had a worse offensive line than us. I feel like with all the negatives coming out of training camp lately, we are starting to think worst-case scenario with our offense. But I truly don't know. what We have the weapons. How, are the, how would the offense be worse than the Giants' offense last year? I mean, seriously, is that even possible? With the way that Denver's offense has been the last few seasons, I would be jumping off walls if we put up 22 points a game. What do you guys think? Thanks, man. 
Wow. Uh, that is that is a really good point. That with that group, Pat Shermer was able to put up that many points. I'm not really sure how you could do worse than that. You know, the one big difference, of course, is Saquon Barkley. You know, that's the one piece that is totally irreplaceable throughout the entire NFL. Like, sure, you might rather have, like, an Ezekiel Elliott or a Christian McCaffrey if that's more your speed, but there's just nothing like Saquon Barkley. Um, Outside of that, though, seriously, like, why can't they do what Daniel Jones just did with Pat Shermer in New York? Yeah, it's a it's a good point. Unless Daniel Jones really is uh, that good now, because he he was impressive last year. Uh, Daniel Jones actually had a good season, but there's no reason that Drew Locke can't do that. Especially like you said, TK Free's making good points outside of running back. I mean, the Broncos are just straight up better. So uh, yeah, it's a really good point and, and way to keep it optimistic. Yeah, seriously. And you know what? The more that I think of it, when you're like looking at guys who kind of remind you of Saquon Barkley throughout the NFL, Melvin Gordon kind of has to be at the top of that oh, list, right? Wow. Like he's fast, he's big, he's strong. He's like kind of like bouncy in the way that he moves. Yeah. Like you'll see him hurdle guys. He has, he has kind of that toolbox and maybe he isn't quite up to the Barkley standard in any area, but he is at least very much in that mold, right? Or am I crazy? Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a Saquon light, potentially. And <laughs> yeah, hey, Henry, yeah. the, the Broncos have more Pro Bowl running backs on their roster than the Giants do. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> Next one coming in from Drew Lockerboy. Hey, man, I just want to give my 50 cents about the state of our country. I support the First Amendment right to peacefully assemble. I condemn those that use this moment to riot and loot. I'm really not in favor of kneeling for the anthem. I understand many people feel America is an oppressive country, but I feel there is more effective ways of causing change. I see the message of kneeling. I just feel personally it's ineffective and very divisive. Even though it has issues, America is the greatest country to ever exist. I believe we can make it even greater and work to end racism in America. Thanks, y'all. Go America. And because this is an awesome community, we have uh, LDJ chiming in and he responds um, to Drew Locker Boyd directly, just continuing the conversation. So I appreciate you guys keeping it, uh, uh, keep, keeping it a safe place because th- this is a safe place for everyone to talk and have these discussions. So thanks for chiming in, Drew Locker Boy. Yeah, awesome. You know, we hear a lot more kind of the other perspective right now, or maybe that's just like the way I've curated my Twitter feed. But it is so nice just to hear people talk about these things in nice, friendly ways where they're just kind of like sharing their mind. They aren't attacking each other. And it's so easy with something like this where it's like you either decide to stand for the anthem or you kneel for the anthem. And it is a very hard line. And even on those issues, at least in this community, uh, it's just so cool to jump in here for a couple of days and see how everybody can approach this in such a positive way. Yeah. And Henry, you're a big part of that, man. Loved. I mean, be- before Mace was here, you were on with us a ton. Absolutely love having you back today. So much fun. It is so much fun to be on this podcast, especially because <laughs> like I spend so much time thinking about college football and honestly thinking about the Broncos too, but it's like, I get a week every like six months or so where everything that's been bottled up inside my head just gets to come out. Uh, Let's let it out. We, we, need, we need it all to come out right now, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Manning's forehead says just spent 50 minutes talking with the guy who gave me the idea to become a journalist and go to journalism school. Andrew Mason. I can barely collect myself to make a coherent sentence. I cannot begin to state how great of a person Mace is and how much of a role model he is for me. Also, 
DNVR is such a fantastic community, head to toe, and I feel so lucky to be a member. To anyone who isn't subscribed, subscribe! Man, that's awesome, Manny's forehead. <laughs> Thank you for letting us know that. Yeah, and I got 50 minutes with the base yesterday, too. I can't remember. <laughs> Honestly, maybe me and Mace alone for that long, that may not have ever happened before. So that yeah. was fun for me, too. I, I feel you, Manning's forehead. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys killed it. Man, that was fun. It's always fun with Mace. The Dan cantaloupes and the antelopes. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan Burke, Calvin Anderson, quiet emoji. Hey, Zach Mason, Hank. Something got me thinking. Do you think Cliss forced the Broncos' hand yesterday? Y'all have mentioned that the team doesn't want you to report on which players are running with which teams. Mike asked Fangio straight up about Bassey running with the ones, so Vic had no choice but to comment on that publicly. And given that every Broncos beat reporter then relayed Vic's comments onto Twitter, the chances of Bassey clearing waivers decreased significantly. Mace has mentioned that the team will intentionally hide players that they want to keep around, and that was the impression I got when Bassey was with the threes for most of camp. I know Yadam wasn't the perfect fit for the defense, but it sounded like he was performing well out there, so the timing of the trade makes it seem a little suspect also on Bassey I know people are making the CHJ comp or yeah CHJ comp but I really don't see because Chris has some crazy long arms which helps him impress do I see who do I see though Bryce Callahan funny how that worked out huh well really quick to, to your first point Dan Burke I totally see where you're coming from <laughs> but he, here's the thing is it we aren't and now we aren't allowed to report on uh, who's running with who, but we can ask Vic Fangio about it and then he can confirm it. So um, my, Mike didn't actually tip the Broncos hand there. That that was uh, something that if he didn't ask, someone else was going to ask. And the Broncos knew that. Yeah. And then like, so when I was at Montana covering the Grizzlies up there, uh, we were allowed to go to every practice. We could watch everything they did football wise, essentially. But we weren't allowed to report on it. And so it was basically the world you're living in, but just like always, every day. And that was definitely something that came up where it's just like, you could just throw this in a question. Then all of a sudden it's on the record. But uh, yeah, I don't think he really forced his hand. I think that the Broncos knew what they were doing. They were throwing Bassey in with the ones because they knew that as long as it wasn't awful, he had beat out Isaac Yadam for the job. And Yadam was out. And I think that's what was going on, not having anything to do with Cliss bringing it up. Exactly. And, and don't you want Bassey to prove that uh, with the ones before moving on from, from Yadam? Because what if today is when you give Bassey the chance and as Vic Fangio said, he pees himself. Well, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> so you, you, you're absolutely right, Henry. They just wanted to make sure that he was, he was going to be the guy and they knew what they were they definitely knew what they were doing. And it's so cool to see Bassey in there. Uh, I, yeah. The undrafted guy is so easy to cheer for. It's so yeah. easy. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, he is now just a fan favorite. That's how this yeah. works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wearing Will Park's number, who was a fan favorite, too. And that mm -hmm. 34 looks good. It does. That is a great number. Next one from Bangkok Bronco. Hi, gents. I'm sure this will be touched upon during the newest podcast, but the combination of Bassey running with the ones and the trade of Yadam, it sure seems like Vic is happy with his cornerback room right now. Let's hope Bassey, Bosby, Harris, and Dawson, if he makes the roster, can step up like the coaching staff is clearly expecting. Double B out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, you're 100% you're right. They don't trade Yadam. 
uh, if there's still some uncertainty. And the reason that they traded him was because they got a seventh round pick instead of having to cut him 72 hours later. So it makes sense. It, is it disappointing in the long run? Absolutely. You want your third round corner to get a second contract, just like Justin Simmons did as a third round safety or, or, or to, to be around for, for big time money later on. But if you were going to cut him anyways, you might as well get something in return. And in my opinion, you know, it, it sucks that you had to use that third round pick on him because you really didn't get much out of him. But at the same time, they have found some gems. You know, you bring in Bosby, you bring in Devontae Harris. And if you think like, oh, maybe before last season, instead of drafting Yadam, which I guess was the year before, like they just traded a third round pick for those two guys. And now you have those two guys and you like what you see. I, I think that if you look at just the cornerbacks as a whole over the last couple of years, draft wise, I think you could be happier in terms of that compensation, if that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Good, good way to look at it. Uh, am, yeah. I, am I right? Or Amarillo says, I believe the Derwin James injury is my karmic punishment for drafting the Chargers defense and fantasy football with the Broncos still on the board. I just try not to overload my team with Broncos because I usually want uh, to be as a fanatic on that note. Let me know what you think on my roster. Bearing in mind, this is a quarterback-driven PPR 16-team league, so the depth is very difficult to come by. Team name, Bob and Gow or Bomb and Gouge. Quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Love that. Running back, Le'Veon Bell. Another running back, Adrian Peterson. Wide receivers are DeAndre Hopkins and Brashard Perriman and Michael Gallup. Tight end, Noah Fant. Flex, Jerry Frickin' Judy. Kicker, Matt Gay. And defense, the Chargers. He has a bench, but we'll just stick uh, with the starters. He also adds that in the 17th round, he picked up Albert Okuwebunam. So I like that one. But Henry, what do you think of his team? I think it's good. I think that uh, there are a couple risks, but the risks are coming in like weird ways. Typically, you associate risk with like younger players where it's like, oh, I'm going to take a flyer on DeAndre Swift and see if he goes off. Instead, at running back, it's Le'Veon Bell who you don't really know what his situation is like with the Jets right now. It could be that he's just like the bell cow, and no matter what happens with that offense, he's going to be eating. Ah, the bell cow. We'll see, though. We'll see, though. The bell cow. Oh, my (laughs) goodness, that's good. Ah, I love this podcast. Um, Adrian Peterson, you know, the old man. Geis is gone. He shouldn't be getting the reps, but also you have Antonio Gibson behind him. I think the running backs are where I'm a little bit scared, but you can't really go wrong betting on Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Hank's our fantasy expert, so I'm certainly not going to disagree with him. But I'll tell you what, that doesn't look too bad for like a 12-team league. Considering you got yeah. that with 16 teams, I'm, I'm very impressed. Broncos502 says, what's up, gents? Let's say the season didn't go as planned and Denver only wins five or six games, which they won't, and Locke plays horrible, which he won't. With all the pieces this team has, are you willing to trade the next three first-round picks or whatever it takes for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Woo! I have never thought about this before in my life. <laughs> this, I, can, I can honestly say that I, the, the world in which Drew Locke is not uh, an all-time great quarterback is not a world that I have been living in. Um, <laughs> That's so this for is sure. kind of coming out of nowhere. So I've got to like spin it to fit my own like fantasy world. Maybe that I've created <laughs> in my head where it's like, okay, I'm just going to say like drew lock. He, for some reason has to like move somewhere else because I know he's too good of a quarterback <laughs> to just be a buzz. For some there reason, he's just out of the picture. Um, 
three first round picks, I'm not so sure. You know, they've, they've given themselves a little bit of leeway by like hitting on all these draft picks or at least looking like they're hitting on all these draft picks where maybe they don't need a whole lot more young guys coming in, even though you always do want those. So maybe you could spin it and try to justify it that way. I don't think so. I don't think I could do three first round picks because it is just such a gamble. Yeah, it, it would be a huge gamble. But if the Broncos view Trevor Lawrence just as kind of the rest of the world, that he's this, you know, once in a generation prospect, then you do it. But you have to be 100% sold on him. You and do. if they are, then you do it. And Justin Fields, I, I don't think you do three first round picks for him just because he's not viewed as that type of player as well. Very, very good pick, certainly uh, a top pick in the draft. You're willing to give up a couple first, but three, maybe, maybe too steep for him. But man, I, you, you, you do it. I, I think you do it. But, but here's the thing, Hank, is I don't think John Elway would do it. I think instead he'd trade a couple first over to Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, see that I could get on board with. Uh, that, that, actually, just want to, again, state my allegiance to Drew Locke after being a little bit too excited about Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers coming over could be a very good thing for the Broncos. Not and, really a hot take, I don't think. And that's, that's the vet route. Because let's say, you know, I'm touching wood. I don't think it's going to happen just like you, Henry. But let's say Drew Locke doesn't work out then John Elway really hasn't hit on any quarterbacks, whether we're talking yeah. like seventh round guys, first round guys, second round guys, anywhere, a two second round guys. So yeah, I don't think he would want to go back to the draft. No, I think, I think the bet route, especially because you do have such a good team put together, have the defense skill positions are all figured out. Just plug in somebody who knows what they're doing. If Drew Locke doesn't work. <laughs> yep yep exactly he's gonna work yes he is going to work uh hank the uh the count is calling your name Ooh, the count henry big hank double down hanky two things one is that i think i just walked past samori toure on the oval you probably did that man is amazing uh, i had to fight myself from asking him to run a deep crosser two what's the strangest story interview you ever covered for the kaiman for those of you who don't know, that's a student paper at UM. Uh, love the count. Um, the strangest. Uh, I did a great story on uh, the golf team, uh, the women's golf team. So in Montana, there's actually a lot of snow. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just kind of like constantly buried in snow. Um, and so they still have to practice because it's a Division One sport. And so they have like a driving range. They work with one of these golf courses out there. But on the backside of the driving range, there's like the shed with these massive garage doors that pull up. And they just hit balls out of this little garage thing, like two-car garage, into the snow. <laughs> but then they have to go pick those balls up by hand themselves in oh, the snow. Gosh, no yeah. way. Yeah, and so I graduated, what, last spring, and that was the first year that they had bought that golf team yellow golf balls before they were picking the white golf balls oh, out of the snow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so no I went out there, way. and, like, one of them was showing me how to – tell the difference between a golf ball hole in the snow and a bowl hole oh because sometimes gosh. the bowls just pop up and yeah so so if you ever need to know if there's like a golf ball in some snow or a a bowl was there just just hit me up you know you know the difference i know well, i know that has to be the strangest yeah that is very very strange man that seems like awful conditions to golf it's yeah i couldn't do it <laughs> <laughs> just ice hold the water chimes and says top of the morning to you guys this one might be a long one but hear me out 
For a few teams, this year is a possible tank for Trevor year, but my question is if there's a year for any team to tank for Trevor, wouldn't this be the year? Think about it. Prior to training camp, players had the option to opt out of the season while still basically putting their contract on hold. As an organization, why wouldn't you tell all your rising stars and key players, hey man, take a redshirt year and we'll get the band back together next year. In doing so, this gives you an opportunity to develop younger players and figure out the roster for the 2021 season. On top of that, ticket sales will not factor into a decision. So if you suck, you don't have to worry about ticket sales because there is not going to be a single ticket sold. Lastly, I know Father Time isn't on the player's side, and which would be hard for them to take a redshirt year, but I just felt like if there was a year for a tank for someone any, any year, this was the year. Now, this is only a hypothetical, and Drew is our guy, but man, could you imagine that 2021 offense with Trevor as the quarterback and pretty much kind of sort of any year with other players' contracts? And this gives you one more year to figure out the offensive line. Thoughts? Thanks, guys, for doing an awesome job. Hope to see you boys Saturday for game two at the DNVR bar. Just ice, hold the water. And he asked what size the member beers are. They are 22 ounces. And they are incredible. <laughs> they are so good. I will be there Saturday, by the way. So There uh, we go. We'll Love chat. It. Um, Man, yeah. another Trevor Lawrence <laughs> comment. We're, yeah, we're all over <laughs> Trevor Lawrence today. I think, you know, he – here's what I'll say. Tanking always looks good on paper because when you just look at it, all that's happening is you're taking a year off and you're getting a good draft pick and then you're just picking up again. People sometimes forget about the more human side of football where if you're in a locker room and you're losing and you're trying to lose, I think it really is hard to come back from that. It's to like build that culture of the expectations of winning. And that's something we hear from the Broncos all the time is like, I think Rod Smith or Steve Atwater was just talking to the team a couple days ago about like the history and saying like, when you're putting on this Jersey, you are not just representing yourselves. You are representing me. You're representing John Elway. You're representing everybody all the way through this organization over the last 20 years. And, and when you get away from that, even for a year and just say, Oh, we'll, we'll get back to it. We'll get back to being a team that's like super into it, trying to win all this kind of stuff. I mean, I just don't think tanking works all that well in the NFL. And so I would avoid it at all costs in essentially every situation, maybe like week 17, you're trying to figure something out. If you can justify like playing the younger quarterback, benching the starter, like maybe something like that, but that's as far as I'd go. Yeah. I don't really think this impacts and affects the Broncos much because um, they are they are just too good to truly tank. And if they mm -hmm. were to be this bad where they're getting the number one overall pick this year, it means there are so many issues, starting with quarterback, but also this defense. You have so much money invested in them, and they would just straight up be bad. And these young offensive players that you're excited to put Trevor Lawrence around probably have a lot of question marks, if not like total busts already. So um, mm -hmm. I, I totally know what you're saying, but man, when you're describing that situation, Henry, all I can think of is the new England Patriots. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. all of these guys often out, it just seems like, man, it could happen. Now. I just think, I think the Patriots are just still going to be too good for it to happen. Me too. But the stars could align. You look at that Patriots team and they still have so many guys you like all over the roster on top of like Bill Belichick, who is the number one guy. If I could add anybody to my organization, if I'm an owner and it's like, okay, who do you want? Do you want Patrick Mahomes? Do you want Lamar Jackson? Do you want 
whoever, I'm saying, can I get Bill Belichick? Is that a part of this game? Because that is how you win, and he can do it. Like Now they're going to run the exact same offense with a quarterback who I think can run it just as well as Tom Brady. The short passes, all that stuff. You're giving Josh McDaniels a chance to, like, use the read option for the first time ever like this is a a technology that every offense has been using to get to this point they haven't been able to do that and now they're just gonna take another leap i i i'm all in on the patriots this year as much as i hate to say it like there's uh, i'm clinging to the fact that it's like if belichick does well and brady doesn't maybe we can discount him and say peyton is still the goat you know Right. I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh man, I, I'm I'm all in on the Bucks, so I don't think that's gonna happen. Okay. But okay. I, I do think the Patriots are gonna be good. So I, I think they're both gonna show that that they're good, unfortunately for Broncos country. <laughs> <laughs> Which means we get nothing except to watch the <laughs> yeah. Patriots and Tom Brady yeah. keep winning. Oh. Exactly. But good thing for Broncos country is we have WGT golf to take you through every single day that there's no Broncos football. WGT golf is so much fun, guys. I, it's been my favorite game, favorite golf game, but just favorite game for 10 years now. And I want you to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. Then go into the clubhouse section, join our third clubhouse, DNVR3, and play with us. What's so cool is you can play other members throughout the week. And then, of course, play our tournaments. You can play on your own to get better for those weekly tournaments. And it is so much fun. I love it because it's so realistic. And I love playing holes or courses like Pebble Beach and St. Andrews. So make sure to check them out. WGTDNVRGolf.com. Also, Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, the uh, Oh, the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. Our sales director, Lindsay, just had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental Group. She said it was literally the best dentist experience of her life. They send you a personal card to your home after becoming a new patient. After Lindsay's surgery, the doctor personally called her and checked up on her just a few days later. Plus, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tweet at us when you go there and, you know, tag us in your post, tag them in your post too, because we want to see how clean they can get your teeth and how you're using that Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, Green Mountain Dental treats you like family. There's birthday cards. Uh, they're a longtime DMVR partner and they show us love. So show them love too. They're only 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. And remember, if you get a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Love it. Love it. Next one coming in from Drew Locke. Hey, gentlemen, you have referred to Brett Rippon a couple of times as a Drew Locke whisperer. I'm assuming that it's a good thing, but can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by that? Or give some examples of him being a Drew Locke whisperer. Also, first freshman game tonight. Wish us luck on securing the first football W in school history. Thanks for everything you do. Stay happy and healthy. Good luck, Drew Locke. I hope you bring home the dub for your Wolves. Yeah, you're going to have to let us know what happens. And also what position you play. That's an important note, too. I want to know. Like, coach, I, I want fresh, stat line. Freshman yeah. coach. He's oh, the coach, yes. That makes way more sense. I thought I was talking <laughs> to a 15-year-old. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Okay, then I have a lot more questions that we don't have time for. Um, <laughs> let's uh, jump into this whole Drew Locke whisper thing, though, because uh, it's interesting because I'm pretty sure – 
I don't know. It's this weird thing where you just have guys you like and guys you don't. You know, there's like the speculation before. It's like, do they cut him and make him a quarterback's coach just because they – or not quarterback's coach, but like some sort of assistant coach, keep him around to talk with Drew, be friends with Drew, help study with Drew because there is uh, – it's a lot easier to get some of that stuff done when you have somebody to bounce ideas off of. When you're like running through a playbook and you have like people you can ask, and obviously you can go to Pat Shermer, you can go to everybody else in the organization, but it's it's just nice to have a friend. I feel like who is doing all the same work you're doing, and you can kind of just work together on it. You know? Yeah, you're you're 100 right, and and Brett is someone who knows his role with the organization and knows that he's there to to help Drew. So they go through a lot of things together. Like, what'd you see here? Brett says, I saw this. And, and that, that, that's kind of the whisperer part. I, I don't necessarily know if he's a whisperer, but a, more so of a, of a really good, like you're saying, Henry, a good teammate uh, in a way that helps him just beyond being a good teammate, helps him actually on the football field. Now, do I think that Drew Locke needs Brett Rippon? No, I don't think so. But if you can afford to keep him around, I mean, if, if he gets to the practice squad, which there's no reason he wouldn't, if you decide to cut him, you absolutely bring him back, and the Broncos will. Mm-hmm. Yep. Next one from Hip Hip U Ray. Top of the morning, gents. First and foremost, welcome to the Thunderdome, Hank. Thank Second, you. Secondly, enjoy your double down of pizza, RK, if you're listening. And thirdly, with the trade of Yadam, could we look at this as an addition by subtraction? On the surface, trading a former third-round pick for a seventh is not a good trade. But with all the positive talks about the cornerback room, this training camp, I really feel optimistic that this was a good thing. If these guys can play admirably this season, then it's a win-win. Also, I've still been listening every day and want to say thank you for having open conversations on the pod regarding the many complex issues and opinions that help make up this country that we live in. 2020 may be a dumpster fire, but you guys help make the days go by a little better. Go Nuggets, hashtag NugLife. Avalanche, Broncos, Iceman, and DNVR. And go hip hip you, Ray. Thank you so much for that love. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Uh, let's just jump in. So the, the seventh round pick thing, I don't – I mean, it is a good sign because it means that a lot of those other guys are good. All I think happened was that they realized Yadam was not going to make the roster. And so they said, hey, does anybody want to give us something for him before we cut him? And they said a seventh round pick is better than nothing. So we might as well do it. Yeah, exactly. And it it just clearly, clearly means Hank, like you said, that he was not going to make the final 53. So get something for him. Yeah. Next next one from screw this saying Bassey gets reps with the ones and hours later, Yadam gets traded. Seems like we have another undrafted gem. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> LDJ chiming in. Hey guys, thanks again for your input to what I shared yesterday. I just thought to myself, America would be a utopia if we all identified with each other the way we do when we sing Al Green's Let's Stay Together, LOL. I mean, who doesn't know that song word for word, right? But Exactly. <laughs> yes, you're right. But that is so much of your coverage and input as we get close to the season. You've helped me out a ton. So glad to hear LDJ. Thank you for rolling with us. Offense is a work in progress. It's going to require patience and learning on the running game. But Chubb missing practices is an issue. He was supposed to be full go by training camp. We do have to temper expectations with KJ and also understand with fast guys uh, like him, hamstrings will be an issue. I just think as a fan, you always want to see your team in absolute extremes. 
And it's nice to have DNVR family to keep you focused. I appreciate it. And we appreciate you, LDJ. We sure do. The next one coming in from maybe the dingo ate your baby. Before I get into my question, if the DNVR fam hasn't tried Strava Craft Wellness, you're missing out on a great product. I totally agree. Check out Strava Craft Coffee. Use that magical code DNVR20 when you sign up for 20% off. On to my question. Since Hank did a good did a good on the beginning, but lost the accent on the back end, I had to bring it back today. Who would win a matchup of the two greatest Broncos teams that never got a chance to win the Super Bowl that was theirs for the taking? The 96 Broncos or the 2012 Broncos? So Hank, did you, yesterday, did you give a try at uh, the username? Yeah, Mace taught me how to have an accent. Mace um, taught me as well. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Um, wow. So here's the deal. I was born in 1997, so I cannot speak smartly about the 1996 Broncos, but I can imagine that they were similar to all those other teams right around that I've heard about. Yeah. I got to give the edge to the 2012 Broncos, though, because they were like the best Broncos team out of a group of Broncos teams that like went to two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. And I'm not sure if the same is true for the 96 Broncos, if they really were like better than those two teams that came after. And so that's going to be the way that I have to make my decision as lame as that is. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good, good point. How the, yeah, I I like that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. Good, good reasoning there. The great question too. Thick burger Bronco boys. Just read an awesome Bleacher Report article for once by Kaylin Collar titled, Is Drew Locke Ready to Answer John Elway's Quarterback Question? In it, she pounds home that the love Vaughn has for, for our quarterback. From the article, when I was around Post Malone, he was so humble, he was so cool, Miller says. We were sitting backstage, and he had a Leighton Vander Esch jersey on, and he was barefoot drinking beer. And I was like, bro, this is Post Malone. He was just ch- chilling with us being humble. When I met Drew Locke, I was like, bro, he has the same vibe. Also, a fun little story I knew nothing about. After Locke won his first start last season against the Chargers in Week 13, Miller signed and dated a fresh $100 bill and, and scrawled Big Money Locke on the right side, just over the U.S. Department of the Treasury seal. Locke slid the bill into a nameplate in his locker. It's still there. Can't put into words how much I love this. I was already 100% sold. But seeing stuff like this just makes me giddy. Sorry for the long one, fam. I still haven't read that story, but I've heard a lot about it. And um, it sounds like it is a must read. Because I'm pretty sure it's like the Bleach Report magazine thing. So it's like a long form on Drew Locke, which sounds incredible. Yep. Yeah, that, that does. And that's a great tidbit out of there. Uh, man, and that's, that is really cool that that $100 bill is still in uh, his, his locker. It is so good. Next one from LA Bronco 30. Hey, DNVR fam. I just wanted to voice a perspective on a narrative going around athletes using their voice for change. I see a lot on social media, people saying athletes are overpaid and should just play sports and not talk about issues. For those with that mindset, please consider the following. One, those with the largest reach in communities are the well-known people. Well-known people in this country tend to get paid more in their respective fields of entertainment, such as sports, music, film, and television. No one listens to the common man when they speak up. They get shut down as just a nobody. So who do these people want to use their voice? No one? That is the problem at hand. Two, the notion of anyone being overpaid is absurd. When it comes to actors, musicians, athletes, or whatever it may be, the money exists. It's out there. 
why should the no talent, rich owners, producers, record labels get all the money when the athletes, actors, musicians are the ones doing all the work? They already make more money, so why are they upset when the talent is getting paid? It's just sad. It's just sad people with no voice, no money, and no morals or ethics. Keep up the great work. My question is this. With all the injuries and experiences from training camp, has your opinion of the Broncos' win-loss total changed? Mine hasn't. Mine hasn't. I think, I think whenever you do like a projection of the wins and losses, you have to assume that you're going to be missing a few guys for a few games. And to be honest, like I'm, I don't think the injury situation is all that bad for the Broncos. Like you'd love to have everybody healthy, but I mean, like the Chargers already lost Derwin James for the season. That is worse than all of the Broncos injuries combined, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely is. Um, and my Broncos win loss total has not changed. I'm, I'm sticking with the uh, nine and seven, 10 and six, because while the offense has been disappointing, I, I knew that that was going to be the case. And because they also have shown, I shouldn't say disappointing. I should say they've gone through about 10 days of, of a cold stretch. We, we had to have known that this offense wasn't going to be clicking by week one and you have a great defense. So if you had a great offense paired with a great defense, this is going to be a 13 and three team. Well, instead, you're going to have an offense. It's going to take some time. That's why I'm going 10 and 6, 9 and 7. Next one from Onion Booty Bronco. Isaac Yadam traded emergency pod to add to the social justice <laughs> conversation. Where I were an NFL player, I would kneel at acknowledgement of my white privilege and supported the fight for social justice and law enforcement reform and also in respect for our military. Let us not forget that the kneel was an evolution from the sit which came to be after a consultation with an informed veteran as a means to appreciate our heroes in arms. Black and white people have different histories with our beloved country. Black people confront challenges today that white people simply don't. Let us empathize with that fact. When you have a platform like an athlete does, you're able to give a voice to the voiceless. Peace, love, and a mile high salute. Onion booty. I think that's very well put. Yes, yes. Very well put. And and this is your emergency pod for Isaac Yadam being traded. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The emergency that necessitates a pod eh, 18 hours later, 12 hours later. I think that yes. that's reasonable, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And final one coming in from your side of the world, Hank. Montana Bronco says, Hank, they do grow cantaloupe in Montana and they are pretty good. Not as good as Rocky Ford, but close. With the Broncos trading Adam, do you think they might bring in Prince of Mukamara? Go Avs, Nuggets, Rockies, Broncos, go Grizz. I wonder if there's a way to get my hands on a nice Montana cantaloupe here in Colorado. I'm going <laughs> to have to try to figure that one out because I need to try a Montana cantaloupe. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just wasted all my time up there, I guess. If it's not as good as Rocky Florida, and... I don't think you need oh. to eat it. Okay, well, I'll t- maybe I'll try a Blind test, blind test. Oh, oh I'll see if I, I can... love that. Love I don't that. know. How- how you get the cantaloupe from two states away in the same place and <laughs> in like the same condition, you know, like if somebody drives it, then all of a sudden right. it's a two day old cantaloupe. Oh, you know, some which might make it better. I don't know much about cantaloupe. That's, that's I do. true. It's true. Have someone drive it down. Um, the Amukamara thing. No. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's over for Amukamara with yeah. the Broncos. It's been over. If they, if they wanted him, they would have grabbed him before all of this happened and they saw that they liked the guys like Devonte Bosby and Devonte Harris and all of them. Um, at this point you've got what you got 
and they seem to like it. I know I like it, even though I'm the one on this podcast who doesn't get to go to practice. So that's the least informed take, but uh, it's a Mookamore just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Remember the Broncos had months to sign Prince months and they didn't. And they're not going to sign him now. The Yadam trade was not to open up a spot for a Mookamara. It's just beginning for them to cut down the rosters. Now they're at 79. They need to get to 53. And we will be on that watch. Make sure to stay tuned to the DNVR.com. We will have an updated roster cut tracker. Uh, the Broncos practice at the stadium tomorrow night. And because there's such a quick turnaround between when that practice ends late at night and when uh, the cuts will start rolling in, we will be back with you guys on Saturday. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us today. For Henry, Hank, my man, thank you for rolling with me today. Really enjoyed it. Had a blast. I'll let you get out of here. But before I let you go, got to tell you about Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentists in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. And as Hank mentioned earlier, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's just incredible. So schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam to take care of your teeth, and they'll take care of your teeth by hooking you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. They're close to Denver, and they're a longtime DNVR partner before DNVR was even called DNVR. So make sure to check them out, Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. Well, that'll do it for us today. Henry, I'm so pumped that you joined us today, my man. So much fun on this podcast. I'm just so excited for Broncos season. I can't believe, like, I was scheduling a haircut today. It's like, so when's your next opening? It's like the 14th. It's like, we've gotten to that point. We've gotten to the point <laughs> yeah. where the next haircut opening is the opening day for the Broncos. We're so close. This is incredible. I love it. I love it. Man, you're going to be looking fresh for that Broncos game. That's right. I will be. <laughs> 8.30 p.m. <laughs> on September 14th. We are 11 days away it's been a blast rolling with you henry these past couple days thanks so much for joining us and thank you all for joining us on the dnvr broncos podcast we will talk to you on saturday have a fantastic start to your weekend it makes me return